Okay, grab your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and, and while you're hunting that passage, I want to pray for us, all right? Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord. Father, we love you, God. Uh, we are all so very grateful for Mark's investment. Uh, the investment of your word in our lives. Uh, he was a workman in the word. And uh, how many times and how many ways have we all been so edified and so encouraged. And, and Lord, the, the, there, was, there was measures of exhortation and, and rebuke. There was correction. Um, but, uh, Lord, it was just so great to have Mark in our lives to, to be used of you to draw us closer in our relationship with you. Uh, through just learning your word. And, and so, Lord, we give you thanks. Uh, God, I thank you uh, how, how wonderfully you worked in Mark. Uh, we're very grateful. And, God, at the same time, um, you know, we know that the, the pronouncement over his life and ministry is well done. Uh, that, that, that's obvious to us. And, and, and so, Lord, like Troy said, we want to continue uh, we want to we want to uh, just continue. We want to double down and and following after you according to your word. And so, God, would you help us tonight? Would you take uh, your word in the power of your Holy Spirit, and would you open our hearts and our minds to believe on, to receive your word, and and to believe on it, and by faith trust you for the reality of it over our lives. God, would you help us to to be done just to put away excuse making and and the reasons for why uh, your word does not apply or why we can't submit to it right now and Lord let us be done with laziness let us be done with slothfulness and and uh, let, Lord would you provoke us to today get busy knowing and growing and following hard after you and so God I, I, again I just ask that you take the weakness of my flesh and my stumbling lips and that God you just set all of that aside. Lord, would you take your word and change our lives for your glory? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight, uh, we are looking at the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Sealing is your first blank. And I gave you just a key concept, a key word to be thinking about last night. As we think about, uh, you know, just looking at the pattern of the Holy Spirit from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. We wanted to, to, to see that key concept of salvation and restoration. And so your key word, right, if, 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 if in salvation what we have is a new birth, if we're born again and, and now we're children of God, then our key word tonight is relationship. If you could just keep that in the back of your mind as we examine the word of God. We have a relationship with God and that relationship, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer gives us assurance uh, that ought to produce assurance in the life of the believer. And so we have this relationship with God. Are we, li are, are we living in light of it? Right? We have a relationship as children of God. Are we living saved? Right? If we're born again, are we living born again? So last night we saw, again, the pattern of the Holy Spirit. And, and if you remember, it, it goes like this. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit moves. And then the word is given. The word comes. And then the light shines. 
So what does that produce in the life of the believer? When the Spirit moved in your life and, and you were convicted of your sin and, and somebody gave you the gospel of Jesus Christ and you saw the light of that truth for the first time in your life and you seized upon it, right? You, by faith, you appropriated it. You believed on it. You confessed your sin and you called on Christ as Lord and Savior. What happened to you when you responded to the light of the gospel? Man, salvation is what happened to you. You were born again and you become a child of God. So look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. When you receive Christ, in Christ, you get an inheritance. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now, I'm just going to just real quick do some housekeeping. Is my mic popping? Is it popping a lot, a little bit? If I just move that out and down just a little bit, is that, I won't get in trouble, will I? Okay. Are we cool? All right. Thank you. Um, if I had to listen to that all night, I'd, I'd get distracted, and, and uh, that wouldn't be good. Praise the Lord. Okay. So we get this inheritance. Uh, verse 11 says, we've, we, in Christ, we've obtained an inheritance. Verse 12 says, we're to be to the praise of his glory. Who? Though we, we who first trusted in Christ. God gave his word, right? The light was shining. We received it. And before even creation itself, God saw. God saw you believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ. He saw you choose Christ. And then he chose you right back to receive all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But now here's the big one. Salvation. Salvation comes with a seal. It comes with a ceiling. Look at verse 13. Again, in Christ, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise because you saw the light of the gospel. You saw the light through the preaching of the gospel. You heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you engaged it in faith. You believed on it. Romans 10 verse 17 says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when you believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ, some things begin to happen. Something changed in your life. Something follows. It says, ye also trusted what you heard, the word of God, the gospel of Christ, the light of the gospel was shining. You saw it as the gospel of your salvation. This is my this is my way out. I see the exceeding sinfulness of my sin. I recognize that the wages of sin is death and that, and that my destiny is to be cut off from my creator for eternity because I deserve the wrath of God over my life. And then you see God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him, his finished work at Calvary, that Christ would be our sin bearer, that he would take the sins of humanity upon himself. Colossians 2 says he took that sin nailing it, right? He nailed it to his tree, and the wrath of God was poured out on my sin that day 2,000 years ago. God's wrath was satisfied over my wickedness. God loved me that much that he would be willing to take all my wrong upon himself. He bore in his body my sins, and then his blood was shed to wash him away, man, the love of God, that he would do that for me. Is, uh, when, I, when I got a hold of that concept, it changed my life, that the creator would be willing to be, my, to be my lamb of God, right? To take away my sin, to give his life for me. Okay, that, that starts a cascade of change in your life. 
right? You saw it as the gospel of your salvation. So it wasn't just head knowledge. This was your way out of a life of darkness and sin and damnation. It was the gospel of your salvation. You know, you can know truth and come to the place where truth doesn't know you. You can know the facts of the gospel, right? You can know them intellectually, but have you believed on them? You can hear the word of truth. You know, the devils know a lot of truth, and they tremble. James chapter 2, verse 19 says, the, de- the devils also believe. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. They know, they know what's what. Much good to do, huh? They've got a lot of information. They know a lot of truth. Okay, but you didn't respond to the gospel that way. That wasn't you. You put your life on it. You surrendered to it. You came to God in submission to it. You went all in without reservation, and, and you saw it as the gospel of your salvation. And when you did that, when you believed, right, Christ as your sin bearer, you believed on that good news story and the word of God, something changed. The Bible says after you believed, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, so the belief, right, faith cometh, you heard the word of God, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You received it, you believed on it, and then the next thing that happened is you got sealed by that holy, with that holy spirit of promise. So it was the hearing of faith that enabled this wondrous event to take place in your life. Galatians chapter 3 Verse 1 describes it. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath, evident, hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? In other words, the spirit moved, the word was made flesh, the light was shining, Christ came. You saw the truth of it, the reality of it. Now, why, why did you stop looking? Look at verse 2. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? See, here's the key. None of us are the author of our own salvation, are we? Uh, None of us are. Uh, We were hemmed in. We had to believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We didn't have any choice. We couldn't fix what was wrong with us and God. We're not the author of our own salvation. The only thing that we did was the sin that required it, right? I mean, we're the ones that got ourselves in the bind. So we had to, we had to engage by faith. We had to believe the, the, the good news that was presented to us in the light of God's word. We had to believe on the gospel to come into the, into the salvation of God by his grace. But how did we receive the spirit? Did we receive the spirit by the laying on of hands? Did you go to a... Getting, getting the spirit class in your local church, a special service, a, a special Holy Ghost bonanza service, right? Uh, a Holy Ghost buffet uh, conference and, and how, how did you get the, I mean, did people just lay hands on you and shake you up and freak you out until you freaked out and spazzed out and, and then somebody proclaimed over you, oh yeah, now you got the spirit? Is that how it worked? No, according, I mean, your, your linchpin verse is Galatians chapter 3 verse 2. We know the answer according to God's word. How did I receive the spirit? Did I do it? Did I get the spirit through anything that I did? 
and keeping God's word, or did, or did I just did I just believe the gospel? Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Okay, how you received the Spirit, well, what we're going to see is that's how we're going to have to roll in the Spirit. That's how we're going to walk in the Spirit. Now, we know how we got the Spirit. We believed the gospel. Water baptism doesn't get the indwelling of the Spirit appropriated for your life. It doesn't do it. Laying on of hands doesn't do it. Learning how to speak in tongues doesn't do it. God does it when you believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so don't let anybody trip you up, okay? Don't let anybody tell you, did you get a second blessing, right? Uh, Have you you received the Spirit since you believe? Yeah, I've got got Galatians 3.2 in my Bible. I I, I know I have it because my Bible tells me so. Right? Uh, Galatians 3.2 is your go-to verse. Now, receiving the Spirit is a very big deal. Because according to Romans chapter 8, the Spirit of God, the indwelling Spirit of God, bears witness with our spirit that we are the the children of God. uh, Which is just a never-ending source of amazement for me. That, I mean, people look at me and they see Sam Miles. This is not super impressive. But I'm here to tell you, I am the son of God. I believe that with all of my heart. That may not be a big deal to you, but that's everything to me. I'm a son of God. God's spirit bears witness with my spirit. My Bible tells me so. I mean, okay, see, it's a big deal to have the indwelling person of God in your heart and your life. How big a deal is it? Well, okay, there's a clue found as we discover one of the names for the Holy Spirit, and it's found in the Gospel of John, one of the names for the Holy Spirit is the Comforter. Now, we're going to, it's probably going to happen a lot in this conference. Um, look, at, look at John 14, 26. But again, Jesus is saying what's going to take place. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. So Holy Ghost, that's when the Holy Spirit of God is indwelling you, right? Whenever... Someone gives up the ghost. What do we say? They, their person has vacated their presence. Okay, they've given up the ghost. They're no longer in their body. Uh, they're they're absent from the body now. Who they are has left the premises. Uh, they gave up the ghost. So the Holy Spirit indwelling your body, um, it, you know, I guess as much as anything, it's a technical term. He's the Holy Ghost. And he should function that way because for us to live is Christ. Uh, another name for the Holy Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. Okay, so the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said unto you. Look at John 16, verse 7. This is a really big one. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's like, you want me to leave. Like, you're following me all over. You want me to leave. This is going to be, you're going to be so glad I'm I'm gone. Uh, What's the song, you're going to miss me when I'm gone? You won't sing that. You'll be so glad, right? It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. How am I going to, how am I, how's the Father going to spend this, send the Spirit of Christ to indwell your heart by faith? If I'm still in my earthly ministry here. No, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, 
I will send him unto you. Okay, how many of you, and just be honest, um, you know, if, if, you, if you don't raise your hand, we're just going to assume that you're not taking part in the poll, okay? It's not going to be a reflection of your spirituality. But how many of you, as you read, especially, you know, you're just reading the gospel accounts, and you're reading about Jesus and the disciples, and they're hanging out, and you're like, oh, God, I want a time machine. I want a time machine so bad because I would just love to go hang out with Jesus and the disciples. And it has to come with a supernatural gift of tongues so I can hear what they're saying. And, the, and, and so that when we're talking, you know, there's, there's the back and forth. There's got to be some translation mechanism in place there. But, oh, man, I just, with all my heart, I would just love to have like a, like a month time travel and just go be able to walk and talk with Jesus. Has anybody ever thought that before? Can I just see your hands if you thought that before? I've thought that multiple times. I know it's silly, but I, how awesome would it be to walk and talk with Jesus, to eat with him, to ask him all those questions that you can't find the answers to in the Bible? <laughs> I mean, just keep him up all night asking questions and, and just hearing the, the living word of God speaking you're like, I, 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 I don't know if it'll kill me, but I'll take the chance. You know, just that much power, the word of God just pouring out in this room. I, I have thought that so many times, and, and yet the opinion of the Lord Jesus Christ is this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3.16 tells us, as believers, we're the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So what's Jesus saying here? Get this down in your notes. It's good for me to go because Jesus in you, right? Christ in you is so much better than Christ with you. Uh, yeah, it would be cool to hang with Jesus and to walk and talk with him and to lay your head on his breast and hear his beating heart. All that would be great. But come on, man. The spirit of Christ dwelling in you. Uh, that's so much better. He's called the Spirit of Christ in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says, But you're not flesh but in the Spirit. You're not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. See, you were always wondering how he was going to get it done. If I pass before the rapture and they, and they lay my body in the ground, what's going to raise it up? Well, it's a quickening, right? It's a function of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Christ, the spirit of Christ is dwelling in me. That's the first thing that happened after I believed on the gospel according to this timeline in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. The, the belief on the gospel triggers this first response, and it's the sealing of the Holy Spirit. We are sealed, the Bible says, with that Holy Spirit of promise. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, you see it again. Now, he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us as God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Okay, so why is God sealing us? And we're, we'll look how he made us in a moment and see there's a practical, tactical aspect to this. But, but what's the primary reason for the sealing? Well, sealing means ownership. 
We're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. The Spirit comes as a sealing, uh, a sealing in our lives to, to, to show God's ownership over us. In other words, the, the life of the believer, the person of the believer now belongs to God. Uh, if you look up the seal, right, the sealing, uh, the first time it shows up in your Bible, it's Deuteronomy 32, verse 34, and, and this is what the Bible says, is not this laid up in store with me and sealed among my treasures? And, and there in Deuteronomy 32, what God has sealed up amongst his treasures is his vengeance. It's one of the things that he's keeping in store. It's his, and he has it sealed up. But it's implying his ownership over it. Uh, you know, Satan's got some things that he has sealed up. Satan's got his precious, his precious things all sealed up. You see the dragon, you know, Satan's nature shown in an expose on Leviathan in Job chapter 41. And again, you see how the seal works, how this concept of sealing works. Job 41 verse 15, describing Leviathan. His scales are his pride. His scales are his pride, shut up together as with a close seal. Okay, well, what, 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 what's being kept? What's being held? What's, what's, what's refusing to be, what's, what's the refusal here? What's not being given up? One is so near to another that no air can come between them. It's a super tight seal. No air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They stick together that they cannot be sundered. Man, there's, the, there's the, the, the doctrine of eternal pride in Leviathan right there. Uh, but but it's, it's, it's analogous, right? There's a parallel to the doctrine of the eternal security of the believer. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are sealed by the spirit of promise until the day of redemption. So here's Lucifer, right? Here is Leviathan. Nothing can come between the joints of the armor of pride you know, you always hear this particularly new believer, you know, can the, could the devil ever get saved? Could the devil ever repent and be born again? And, and, and you know why the answer here is never. There will never be any yielding of pride in him. It belongs to him. He has it sealed up. He owns it. It's his. And oh, by the way, he's king over all the children of pride. Job 41 verse 34. So just know, right, why does he have why does he have this pride all sealed up? I mean, this is, man, this is, how he, this is how he owns and manipulates the children of wrath. He's king over all of the children of pride. And so just know, you can't come to God in your pride. And since, since we're talking about pride, since we're on this rabbit trail, what's the antidote to pride in our life? Well, we repent and, our, and, and we humble ourselves. Check out Micah 6, verse 8. What does God show us? What is good? What, is, what does God require of us? But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. James 4 verse 6 says that God resisteth the proud but giveth grace unto the humble. You want a way to get ahead with God? Check out 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 5, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. 
See, that's why, why, well, that's his heart. Uh, the proof of that is in Philippians chapter 2, isn't it? Uh, we need the mind of Christ, don't we? Don't we? What, what does the mind of Christ look like? Well, God became a man and took upon himself the form of a servant and esteeming us better than himself, took our sin to the cross of Calvary and satisfied God's wrath over our wickedness and our rebellion. Uh, you talk about humility when the creator is willing to be butchered by the creation he is dying to redeem. Uh, that's humble. That's humility. You want to get ahead with God, get Jesus' heart there. Uh, you you want to come to the place where you can turn to your neighbor and say, bro, sis, you're better than me. <laughs> you know, humble, right, ourselves, right, submit ourselves one to another. Uh, did you notice, Pastor Troy, how I give that suggestion? You ought to be able to turn to your neighbor and say, bro, sis, you're better than me. And nobody did. Just, you know, an observation. This is all, all it is. Okay, check out Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. We put on humbleness. Put it on. Uh, Satan, right, the, the king over the children of pride, he wears pride. It's, a, it's, a, it's sealed up armor. No, put on humbleness. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You know, today there's too many of God's people Right? Too many of God's people are frustrated with the life that God has them living, and that's pride. Never, we can never forget that we belong to God. He has his seal upon us. We belong to him. So don't miss the point. Here in Job 41, Satan, right, he is the, he's the great counterfeiter. And as surely as God owns and holds you by the seal of his spirit, so also Satan owns and holds his pride, and it gives him access and power over his people. So he's never going to let it go. No, no, I'll never let go. Oh, I don't know how he warps that, but, you know, he's going to hang on to his pride. He's never going to let it go. So also, God says, I'm never going to let you go, believer. God himself says he seals you by his Holy Spirit. Man, that, I will never get over that. God would do that for me. You got to know your seal. That means just just like those, the, his you know, his scales are pride. They're so close, no air. They're, they're completely sealed together. Nothing, right? They're joined one to another. They stick together. Nothing can be sundered. It can never come apart. Air can't even get through. Do you get a seal functions to make sure that nothing can come between you and God? You are His and His alone. God has got you. You are sealed by his Holy Spirit. He has got you. You're his. Nothing can take you from him. No thing. Nada. None. Zip. Zilch. There's a TikTok going around. Okay, so once you get that, I mean, that kind of changes your outlook on life. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. I'm one spirit with the Lord? Man, I... I kind of need to reorder. I need to reprioritize what I'm doing with my life. It's the Lord's. Ephesians 2.18 says, through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. See, the sealing of the spirit is proof that we belong to God. We have security as believers. But there's more. Okay, we got to keep going. The sealing is also a down payment on everything that God's going to do in the lives of those that he owns. Right? The lives of his own. So we believe on the gospel. 
that's immediately followed by the sealing of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And the sealing, we find in verse 14, is the earnest, the earnest. Ephesians 1.13, in, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is, right, that sealing of the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 21 and 22, you see it again. He which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest, there it is again, of the Spirit in our hearts. So the Holy Spirit also functions as a down payment. That's your next blank. He functions as a down payment on all that God's going to do over the whole of our lives. An earnest is whenever you put money down on a purchase, right? You're, you're, you're not, you're, for whatever reason, you're not ready to buy the whole thing outright. And so you're putting money down, right? It's a deposit for a pro promised purchase in whole. That's what an earnest is. So when you make a down payment on a house, right, you're, you're, you get married, you want to get a house, and, and ideally... Uh, you're at a place where you can put 20% down. I hear that that, that that never happens these days, but that's the idea. You'd put 20% down because you're saying, I'm not playing. Uh, I, intend to, I intend to pay for this house. I, I want to show you I'm serious. I'm in for the whole because nobody throws 20% away, right? I'm not going to just drop 20% and then walk. So it's, it's a way of saying you're all the way in. Okay, so here's key. Uh, this is the key. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Here's the objective. I pray, right, that the very God of peace and the very God of peace sanctify you, set you apart, woolly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so I want to put a dude here up on the screen. And uh, this, is, this is Adam. This is you. Okay, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible says that God formed man from the dust of the ground. So this is the vessel. Uh, this is the tabernacle. This is the home uh, that we talk about in like 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, so God formed him from the dust of the ground, and then he inspirited him, right? It, it, he inbreathed him. The Bible says he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So let's bring up the next slide. And so the, the dotted line, we're going to let that illustrate, actually. It's, it's, it's in the hole of the vessel. It's in the hole of the man that was formed from the breath of ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So now the, 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 the spirit of God, the life, the life of God is in this body. And then the Bible says, and man became a living soul. So go ahead and bring up the next one. And so the squiggly line would represent uh, the soul of a man, okay? And we'll put that everywhere. Uh, in Luke chapter 16, for example, we find out that a soul has eyes. Uh, it can talk. It's got a tongue. It can experience sensation. It's got fingers. You know, hey, send Lazarus over with a drop of water on his. Where's Lazarus's? I mean, where? You, you know the story, right? The rich man dies. Well, what happened to him? Where did he go? Well, they put him in a hole in the earth, right? They put him in a tomb. They put him in a grave. So his body's six feet under. But the Bible says in hell he lift up his eyes. What happened to Lazarus when he died? 
where'd he go? Well, they put his body six foot under. He's, he's, he's probably not that far down the road from the rich man. I mean, they're like neighbors still. Uh, his body's in the earth. Uh, but, but this is before the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in an Old Testament dispensational context, when the dead, believing dead, die, angels are there to catch them to make sure that they don't lift up their eyes in hell. They get carried to paradise. And so there it is, you know. Um, send Lazarus with a drop of water on his finger. His fingers are in a grave back up on the surface of the earth, right? With a drop of water on his finger so he can put it on my tongue because it's hot. I'm miserable. This is agony. So the soul obviously is a complete reflection of the vessel that has the life of God in it. And man became a living soul. Is everybody with me on that? So you guys know the rest of the story. Um, you know, Adam wasn't deceived. Uh, the woman was deceived. Satan knew how to get over on humanity. And, and so he appeals to the woman's reason, her, her logic, uh, to get an emotional response for her. And then he appeals to an emotional response on Adam's part. He sees Eve, the fruit changed her he's lost her and so you know like a like the type of Christ that he is he's a flawed type of Christ but he enters into her sin condition he takes her sin upon himself he eats the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and now my Bible tells me in first Corinthians in Adam all die what happened well, Jesus said what would happen in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die and they did they died that day they were, they were removed from the garden, um, uh, cherubim, right, guarding the garden, guarding the way to the tree of life, a flaming sword turns every which way, guarding the way. They're cut off from this life where every day in the cool of the evening, they're walking with the voice of the Lord in the cool of the garden, in the cool of the evening. And, um, you know, G Genesis chapter 5, Adam bears a child after his own likeness, after his own image, and and a uh, cute little baby grows up, murders his own brother, and it's just a fallen likeness, a fallen image, cut off from the life of God. What happened? Well, God's not willing that any would perish, and in his mercy, uh, Christ comes as the last Adam. He takes upon him the sin of the first Adam, satisfies it before, before, before the Father at the cross of Calvary. And when you hear the good news, when you, when you hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, you're, I mean, we just saw it, right? He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. When you heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and believed on it, the Bible says you're born again. Uh, you become a new creature in Christ. Your old life passes away. Behold, all things are become new. And so, so you know, that's two-thirds, right? He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So my spirit is now joined with the Lord's spirit. The spirit of Christ indwells my heart. It's sealing me. Um, so my soul is sealed. And uh, so let's, let's, let's look at this again. Uh, if we can just change in our minds the doodle, and you see the dotted line, 
that goes all the way around the edge. Um, now we're going to pretend that's circumcision. Let the whole church say, uh, okay. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2 says that whenever you believe on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, what God does is he takes the scalpel of God's word. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides the spiritual part of you from the carnal, the fleshly part of you. And so, so what we're seeing here then is now this, the soul is separate from the vessel, is separate from the tabernacle. And so that represents the cutting away of the body of the sins of the flesh. Is everybody still with me? Okay, but now let's, let's kind of change it again. Okay, now the dotted line, we're back to it being the spirit. It is now the seal of the soul, right, that keeps it separate from the body of the sins of the flesh. Does everybody see that? Um, okay, so there's the doodle. Okay, so uh, whenever we're born again, the spiritual circumcision takes place. I'm now separated from the body of the sins of the flesh. My, my soul is sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, God cauterizes the wound so that it doesn't reconnect. I'm no longer one with my flesh like I was before. So already, at the moment of salvation, I'm two-thirds saved, right? My soul is sealed, my spirit is joined to the Lord, but what about my flesh? Well, Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 7. And I know, I know that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. But praise the Lord, I'm not stuck there. I can just keep reading, and I can go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, and I can find out I can walk in the spirit. I'm not stuck in the flesh anymore. And praise the Lord. See, know this, get this down, right? The body still needs work. Uh, Two-thirds of me, man, I am, my life is hid in Christ and God. There's no getting around that. I am a child of God. I am sealed, the Bible says, until the day of redemption. But the body needs work. And you can tell that by just looking at me. The body needs work, right? But it's worse than what you can see on the surface, man. The lust of the eyes, the, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, it's still a problem today. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of our New Testament, said present tense, oh, wretched man that I am, right? It's, it's, the, it's the body of the sins, of the, uh, it's, it, it's the flesh, man. Okay, so get this down. The, the Spirit of God sealing you is a really big promise to you. The Spirit of God sealing you is all also a promise to you that, that Jesus is coming for the rest of you. Right? He's not going to leave you undone. Again, Romans chapter 8. The indwelling Holy Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit that you're God's child. So it bears witness. And creation joins in. You know, all of creation is, is joining course with the Holy Spirit, groaning, uh, travailing, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. At the rapture of the church, the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. 1 Corinthians 15 says our mortal body puts on immortality. This corruptible body puts on incorruption. Death is swallowed up in victory. And all of creation will sing the hallelujah chorus. Uh, it'll, be, it'll, it'll be incredible. Okay, so what are we talking about? This sealing of the Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance until the day, until the redemption of the purchased possession. That's what it is. Uh, so get this down in your notes, right? We are heirs of God in Christ. So what inheritance is the Holy Spirit sealing, promising? What inheritance are we talking about? 
Well, verse 14 says it's the redemption of the purchased possession that we have to keep in mind. It's the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Check out Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. So the church is a purchased possession of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. How much did your life, your body, and your spirit cost God? You're a purchased possession. How much did you cost him? You cost him everything. He gave his life buying you. He, he, he gave it all to have you. So in Christ now, I don't belong to me anymore. I am his and he is mine. Okay, so my, my soul is sealed. My spirit is joined to the Lord. I, 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 you know, my body needs work. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that day uh, of translation where I can be glorified. Or I, can, I can have a glorified body. Uh, what's God going to do with our body? You may be, you know, tempted to look in the mirror and say, man, no one could do anything with this body. No, that's not true. Thank you, Jesus. Again, Romans 8, creation is, is bearing witness, verse 23, and not only they, but our own sel ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body, soul sealed, right? Spirit joined to the Lord. I'm waiting for the redemption of my body, and the older I get, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because I love what the Bible says. I want, I want this mortal body to be swallowed up in immortality. I want this corruptible body. I mean, every time something goes wrong, it never goes right. Not never, uh, you know, you stub your toe. Well, I'll never be right again. I mean, it just, it just, just deteriorates. I want it to put on incorruption. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says that our life, right, our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you have a vile, no, don't do that. I That's what it says. Your, your body is vile. Did you know that? Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And that's amazing. We're going to see, I mean, we're going to see before the week is over, that's a great inheritance, but there's more. You know, there's more for those who are sealed with the Holy Spirit that actually move forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we'll look at that Wednesday night. There are going to be some people who rule and reign with Christ. There's, a, there's another inheritance level that we need to keep in mind. Okay, so I, I, I believe on the gospel, salvation, followed by sealing. That sealing of the Spirit is the earnest. It's the down payment on everything else God has promised to do in my life. And that should produce praise. That's your last point, producing praise. So let me take our outline out of verse order. Let's jump back up to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. And let's check this out. Verse 3, I'm sorry, verse, Ephesians 1, verse 3, not verse 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined 
us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. So again, before the foundation of creation, God who exists outside of space-time, he saw everything before the beginning. He saw you choose Jesus, and so he chose you right back to all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Uh, he made decisions, right, that you'd be holy and without blame before him in love. He decided you would be his child, and he made you accepted. He made us accepted in the beloved. Uh, the key here in all of Ephesians 1 is that phrase, in him. Okay, that's what keeps us from getting tripped up by Calvinistic doctrine. It's all based on your decision about Christ, all of these things. So God saw you choose Jesus, so he chose you right back, and now you got it all. You get everything. And to be holy and without blame before him in love, his children, accepted in the beloved. Okay, grant me the grace to riff just a little bit, because we got something to get our praise on over tonight. I mean, can you see the love of God that he's planned from you before the very beginning of creation? I mean, the love of God, that's the proof of our eternal security. Again, Romans chapter 8, the indwelling spirit of Christ bears witness with our spirit that we're God's children. In other words, salvation produces relationship. I don't just belong to God, he also belongs to me. We have a relationship. Again, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. Become new. This can't be undone. Uh, you are a new creature, a new creation in Christ. You know how new life comes to be, right? When mommy and daddy love each other very much, they spend quality time together, and, and then, you know, we found you. That's how it works, okay? Um, mommy and daddy, two, become one flesh. In our family, it's me and Cheryl Miles, and the proof that we're one flesh, we named them Sophie, Sam, and Seth, Two become one. And, and what happened was, is, I mean, God designed it all, but the way it works is my DNA combines with my wife's DNA and it makes a whole other person. It's amazing. And, uh, like, you know, they can walk and talk and cause you trouble and bring you joy. And it's just, it's wonderful. It's this incredible thing. It's a whole other person. And you, like, own them outright for a few years and then you're, like, coaching them for a few years and then you're, like, okay, <laughs> launch. <laughs> uh, it's an incredible thing. Okay, so just think for a second. Um, let's say me and, and my son, Sam, we have a rough time, and, and he gets mad at me. And we're so frustrated, and pretty soon we just like, went off the rails, and we're just yelling and screaming at each other. This didn't happen, by the way, but let's just say it did. And uh, we're yelling and screaming at each other, and uh, he just can't take anymore. Storms out of the house, Dad, I hate you. You're no, you're no father of mine. You're not my dad. I don't, I don't love you. I don't want you in my life. I'm out of here. And so he climbs into his 1990, whatever it is, um, 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 Toyota Corolla. And he peels rubber. You know. Back when I was growing up, it'd be a 65 Mustang or something. You know, you'd really burn rubber when you're leaving. Okay, so he's, you know, he's chirping out of the driveway. And, and I'm screaming after him, you're not my son. Does that make it true? Can I take my DNA back? Can Cheryl take her DNA? Can we undo him? Once life is given, that's all she wrote. It can't be undone. 
It can't be taken back. You cannot unscramble that egg. It takes root, it grows, and there he is. It's a boy. Uh, I, you can't undo. So also the new birth, it can't be undone. Right? I mean, you can't unscramble that egg. It cannot. It's an eternal relationship. He is my father. I am his child. Nothing can ever change that. I'm a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away. So we've been alluding to it. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Uh, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Man, but some people live like that's true. God never gave you a spirit of fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, what an intimate relationship we now have with God himself. And then look at this, verse 16. And the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be, we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Again, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 21 and 22. He which hath, right, he which established, he which established us with you in Christ hath and hath anointed us as God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit. And look where it look where it connects. It's in our hearts. God wants to make sure your heart doesn't miss his message of love. How does anyone ever get over that? I'm a child of the living God, and nothing can change it. That's a big deal. I mean, that's a really big deal. Satan will work to make you doubt. He'll do that because he's a liar, John 8, 44. He's an accuser of the brethren, Revelation 12, 10. And he'll accuse you to God, right? If he'll accuse you to God, he'll sure accuse you to you. I remember um, coming to Christ at, at 12 years of age and believing on the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I didn't understand the, the doctrine of the eternal security of the believer. I didn't know my Bible well. And so I always had this w question, you know, can I do anything to mess this up? You know, once I've received it, can I lose it? And, and uh, I grew up in a, in a Bible church, um, you know, a non-denominational Bible church, and, and they taught the doctrine of the eternal security of the believer just uh, they just said it was so, and I didn't get the scripture for it, and, and so, and so I had doubts, and you know, man, every once in a while, your family just does you dirty. Um, all of a sudden, the house is quiet. You look around, and everybody's gone. It's like, does anybody know about the rapture fits? I got left behind. You know, we watched the movies too. Uh, they were showing them on the side of church buildings back then. And I was like, oh, the Antichrist armies are coming to cut my head off. Oh, you know. And uh, you, you just panic. I remember panicking one time. I, didn't mi I, I missed that the truck was out of the driveway. And I thought, ah, oh, man, have I been left behind? Well, Grandma loves Jesus, man. There's no way. Uh, if, she, if, if the rapture took place, she's gone, and she never goes anywhere. She's stuck in that rocking chair. Uh, so I'm running a half mile to my grandma's house just to see if, if I got to my grandma's house. I bust in the door. Grandma! nothing. Like first time in my life, she's gone. Uh, I timed, just so timed out, she was in the backyard working in the garden. <laughs> but I was in, I'm, there I am at my grandma's house, oh God, I got, <laughs> just terrified. And uh, I found her, 
<laughs> I figured it out. You know how I figured it out uh, as a teenager? And I was just reading Romans chapter 10. And I realized on the authority of God's word, right, if I could lose my salvation, that means the Bible's not true and there's no hope for anyone. So I'm done worrying about it. Uh, I, man, I, outside of my salvation, that was the second greatest day of my life. To have God's spirit take God's word and say, bro, I got you. Stop worrying. Don't, don't fret. So parents, by the way, let's, we got to talk about this. Did you know that you cannot give your children the assurance of salvation? Um, I have never tried to do that, not once in my life with my kids, because I, I, I know what my Bible tells me, okay? 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Only the Word of God and the Spirit of God can give the child of God the assurance of their salvation. So what I have to do as a parent is... is when I see my kids struggling, I have to keep giving them the gospel. To this day, I've never told any of my children, I know you're saved. I know you're born again. Now, as they're entering into adulthood, I could probably, sh I believe that. I mean, that's what I think about them. But I, don't, I haven't told them that. I don't want to give them the assurance of their salvation. I want them to get it from the word of God and the spirit of God. I want the spirit of God bearing witness with their spirit that they're the children of God. Because once God shows you you have eternal life, well, the devil can accuse you all you want, but you're going to say, talk to the hand. I know my Bible. I know what the Spirit's shown me in his word, and, and, and no one can take that from me. I've got so many parents that are so worried about their kids going to heaven with them, they corner them, they badger them into saying the sinner's prayer. So they'll lead them in the sinner's prayer. They'll make sure they get baptized. And as the kid grows up and they wonder why their, 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 their world is going to hell in a handbasket, that critical moment will take place. I'm not sure I'm saved. And mom or dad will foolishly say, oh, no, I know you were saved. I was there when you prayed. And they're inoculating their children against the gospel. Like, Lord, help us, right? So I, I, I must have given my kids the gospel hundreds of times. You know, because any time it came up, I would give them the gospel. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what you do in response to the good news of the gospel. And I would just keep telling them, have you done that? You know, and then let them receive that. Let them see that. Um, we need wisdom as parents, don't we? We need wisdom. Ephesians 1 verse, 30, uh, verse 13 says that after we heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, in whom also after that you believed, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You know, some need to die to doubt and just get full of faith and let God love them. You need to just believe the relationship that God's declared over your life. See, a lot of people, they'll, they'll listen to the accuser and, and they think, you know, I'm on the outs with God. God's so frustrated with me. He doesn't want anything to do with me. And all he's saying, I mean, is sinner, come home. See, conversely, you have the opportunity. You're, you're, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, but you know you have the ability to grieve him. Ephesians 4 is written to Christians, and we're commanded to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. There it is again. So, so, so how does that work? You know, if you just very quickly, because uh, we're out of time, in Ephesians 4, here's the basic outline. In verse 11, God made sure that he gave us his word in Ephesians 4. 
so that we can live the life of God. That's outlined for you in verses 12 through 16. So that you don't live the life of the world, verses 17 and 19. So how do we live? Well, that's in Ephesians 4, 20 through, 20, uh, through 32. And if that doesn't describe you, right, where are you at in that process, right? Have you received the word of God? Are you being conformed to the image of God? Are you living the life of the world? Or are you living the life of the spirit? See, if you're not living according to the relationship that you have with God, then you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Because your Bible commands you not to do it. So the solution, tomorrow night, we're going to talk about our walk in the Spirit. We're going to talk about being filled with the Spirit. Um, in the Ephesians 4 outline, right, we have the Word of God so that we can live, the, we can be conformed to Christ's image, so that we won't live the life that's in the world, we'll live the life that God has for us. Ephesians 5 verse 1 and 2 says, we're to be therefore followers of God, dear children, and walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. See, now I get to focus on living Christ. So the focus has got to be on the filling. I need to walk with Christ. So I, I, I need to be filled with the Spirit of Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says, we have this seal. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Well, if I am his and he is mine, then why would I want to waste my time living my life for the pleasures of the flesh in this world? Why would I want to do that? Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I need to just stop grieving the Holy Spirit of God, and I need to let my Father love me. And I need to walk in my relationship with him. I, I need to abide in the vine, don't I? I need, to I, I, I need to just spend time with my dad. I need to spend time with my father. I need to abide in Christ as he abides in me. I don't just depart from iniquity, but I bear much fruit. That is God's objective for his children. So, you know, yesterday we saw the pattern. Today we see the ceiling. The sealing of the Holy Spirit. Tomorrow we'll see the feeling of the Holy Spirit. And then Wednesday we'll trust God to get insight into the anointing. Pastor Troy.